0: Welcome to The Other 99%. Hello everyone, my name is Steve Whittington and I'm your host. According to Economic Development Canada, 99.8% of all employer businesses are small to medium enterprises. Small to medium enterprises are defined as having less than 500 employees. This podcast is dedicated to exploring strategies, tips, and training for creating success as a small to medium enterprise. On today's episode, we have Ryan Saylor, General Manager of Southland Trailer Corp, a leading manufacturer of light industrial trailers in Western Canada. Ryan talks about working with family, innovation. And the importance of getting the right company culture implemented enjoy the conversation Ryan thanks for being on the show first question I have for you growing up uh, in Southland trailer Corp what was it like uh, growing up with an entrepreneurial dad
1: uh, it was fantastic we had opportunities and I guess um, visions uh, to, to look at situations differently So, and we were given access kind of across the board. So even from, uh, being probably my youngest, when I started, it was about 14, kind of in the summer job, 14 or 15 years old. We were able to look at situations and see it from, you know, I guess an employee perspective and also, uh, from an ownership perspective of the company and, and see how it impacts kind of uh, all the way, you know, the fiscal impact of it, the, the cultural impact of it. So with our dad, he was able to, in every situation, we kind of got uh, a wide spectrum of um, of insight from them. So with anything, so whether when we were, you know, purchasing your your first vehicle or or anything like that, you were always given kind of the the full spectrum of, of perspectives. And he so he always taught you to look at at things. Um, you know, there's two sides to every coin. So he always wanted us to to look at everything like that. So from a very young age, we were able to look at things. Uh, In that view, and and I guess the other part, you know, having him being entrepreneurial, we always he taught us to you know try to find opportunities and look for uh, certain areas that you could um, I don't know if exploit is the right word, but certain opportunities that you might be able to see, and you know he kind of helped instill that um, entrepreneurial spirit into us as well. So we we got that from you know obviously before we were even conscious of it, it kind of just was ingrained into our DNA. But it was uh, yeah it was phenomenal. It gave us advantages that uh yeah that it's kind of hard to mimic just from from schooling for sure
0: so your first job with the organization was when you were you said about 14 and and what was that job sweeping
1: floors stacking plywood uh moving steel organizing parts counting parts doing some inventory management type stuff Just very very limited sweeping the parking lot i remember doing that a few times so very uh kind of entry-level uh, positions but um, yeah that was kind of where we had started and then just kind of developed. all three of us boys actually did that and then uh, just grew into the business from there
0: so you're working in the organization since the age of 14 and did, did you know at that point that you wanted this was this was your path you wanted to be part of this this company for, for now and forever kind of thing
1: no I didn't really have any idea that that's what I wanted to do I think I had a rough idea that I wanted to understand the financial aspect of business a little bit more. Um, I, I was always kind of thinking about the, the accounting role, kind of as a as a separate option. And but I didn't know the the management side that I would kind of enjoy that as much and the people aspect as well. So I. Yeah, I, I didn't I figured I would probably have some type of involvement with a business I didn't know it'd be specifically uh, this one but uh, and I didn't know exactly what that would look like I, I would have thought from back then it would have been more geared towards the yeah, the financial role kind of as a, a CFO uh, type role but um, it, yeah it's obviously evolved differently than than that
0: now so when did you know that you wanted to work in the family business it
1: would probably have been I would I think kind of my first, second year university, uh, there was some university gave me a good opportunity to kind of cross-reference what I was learning in school and what I was working on at at work. I could kind of cross-reference stuff so I could bring things that I would learn in school, bring them to here and kind of try them in the business and vice versa. I could take things I've learned at the business and take it back to the university and you know kind of challenge professors' thoughts or get professors' insights with certain things. And then at that point, it kind of uh, it engaged me and it, it intrigued me to a level uh, that I, you know, believed it was something that I wanted to do. And then when we started seeing opportunities for improvements, and I guess just general opportunities within the marketplace, that was something that uh, my brothers and I had kind of discussed and, you know, really became passionate about. And so I, I would say probably at that point we, you know, kind of made it. A conscious thought to say, yeah, this is something that we can, can see ourselves doing you know for for this foreseeable future and and really put you know time and uh, energy into it and have a long term commitment with it. So i would say, yeah, probably the first year first second year university, something like that is when I knew that it was gonna be something that we would all work together with.
0: So then, back at that point in time, uh, you and your brothers were talking about the business and the future mm-hmm. of working together. And now that you are working together, how is it working with your brothers?
1: Fantastic. I love it it's the uh, we're we're super, super lucky the The dynamic that we have, and it's pretty cool because it's it's spread with all the other you know team members and and coaches and stuff that we have. Uh, but the dynamic that we have, we can kind of all encourage yeah, encourages honesty number one, so we can all speak very openly and honestly with each other. There's no um, there's no silent disagreement. So we never have where we're sitting in a meeting and, you know, kinda of say, okay, I guess that's the direction we're going and, and you know, after that meeting somebody's saying, Boy, I, you know, I sure don't agree with that. We can if we don't agree, we can very openly and honestly say, Hey, I don't agree and here's why. We never get you know, nobody takes it personally and we are able to, you know, communicate Directly and from there we can action items a lot quicker. We don't have to, there's no politics at all with our business. We can just cut through everything right away and get out of all the cards on the table and then, you know, we, we will consciously kind of try to challenge each other's opinions, uh, in a positive way just to play the devil's advocates to make sure that we're again viewing a scenario from, from all aspects and then we, we move forward and it for sure helps the, you know, the end result. I mean, we obviously still make mistakes and we trip up, but it's, it's so much fun being able to have that, that honesty and that candor. And like I said, it's, it's spread within the, the organization. So everybody does that. Um, it's kind of an expectation here, um, but, but people don't take it personally. And yeah, you're able to have a, make it a lot more effective decision much more quickly and then get it implemented quickly as well. So it's, uh, and then obviously just working with my brothers, it's you know, a trust level, that is it uh, is, you can't replicate at all. So um, it's, yeah it's fantastic we're really lucky that the three of us get along so well and work so well together
0: well that sounds like uh the ideal um, uh leadership team Uh, communicate with candor uh, honesty transparency uh you know and then not taking things personally Everybody speaking their mind so they can get all uh, as you said all the cards on the table um i think every uh every leadership team uh would would like that kind of uh interaction and environment to for when they conduct meetings and make decisions about their business, so good for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being Thank said, uh, working with your brothers—it's a family business. Uh, does this carry over to home life, or is there a clear separation from you know when you're at work uh, to when you guys are uh, at home? It can be a, a
1: gray area. I mean, we're fairly conscious of you know, work-life balance, and when we're all together, you know, with the families and the kids and everything like that, we. We definitely, you know, make sure that we're spending family time as a family as well. And then there's, but there will be times, you know, if we're doing kind of a family thing, that the three of us or even with my dad will kind of peel off for over a beer or something and, and talk a little bit about work. And but we don't try to do it, um, you know, we don't really do it as table talk or anything like that. We do try to make kind of a clear distinction. But it it does. If it comes up we kind of just try to separate it a little bit and then we'll just make sure we spend our family time. But so that's kinda of one of the fun things with it, that it, it is always kinda of there. But like I said, we've got to be very conscious that it's not something that just uh takes over and that's all we talk about. There's more to more to life than work on business, obviously. So we gotta make sure that we're we're conscious of that and we do. We find a, a good balance with that.
0: That's uh yeah, that's that's important. And the other side of the coin is if the three of you are talking after hours, um the other members of your team are obviously not part of that conversation, so you roll into work and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're going this way," <laughs> and uh, that's not transparent yeah. uh, uh, communication. That's like uh, totally, uh, you know, uh, inclusive yeah. just to the family. So I can see you yeah, wanting exactly. to make sure that distinction's there. Yeah. You've been creating exactly. a new culture, uh, or let me back up because you don't say you. It's you know your brothers, the company, the team have been creating a new culture at 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 Southland Trailer Corp what have been mm-hmm. – what, what where's the direction you're going and what has been some of the challenges uh, for creating this uh, new culture and transitioning to it? And, and you know, you, it, it breaks down in a couple of areas. Like you probably have challenges with, with staff, you know, with customers, with suppliers. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to let you uh, talk about this.
1: We kind of started with culture. It kind of was asking the question of, you know, what are our beliefs and what are our values – as a business, no matter what we do. And some of the stuff, you know, we just directly took from the, the good to great Jim Collins book. And so we really wanted to understand, I guess, what that looked like. And every business, you know, they say it has a culture already. It's just kind of finding out what, what that culture is and, you know, what, it, what kind of habits and beliefs are already taking place. So we really started by kind of identifying, well, what what is there right now and what is, you know, how do we kind of make that a little more tangible so that we can communicate that effectively? So we started kind of looking at, yeah, what are our values and what are our beliefs that exist and what maybe doesn't exist that we want to try to do a better job at. So we kind of broke that out into six core values. And then we kind of have every management meeting when we meet monthly with the senior team, we always put in place a kind of a, just a general five-minute, um, uh, not really. Uh, what would it be? Kind of an informal thing, just communicating the the core values. And you have to just share a story of how you either did or did not follow a core value.
0: So that's your ritual for reinforcing the values.
1: Yeah, yeah, just internally. So it kind of helps us, you know, make sure that are we exhibiting the core values, yes or no, and if we are, what are examples of it, so that we're we're quite conscious of that. And we also, kind of on the contrary with the core values of what we should be doing, we put things on there that we definitely should not be doing as well. So right on our core values, it actually has kind of the do this, and then in brackets it says don't do that. Um, so that if we can use it as kind of coaching um, with all the staff. So from there, when we kind of formulated that with what we already had kind of inherently in within our business and certain things that we wanted to start working on, then the, from there we kind of developed a bit of a... Um, a training matrix that we could work with kind of the mid-level managers and leaders to say, um, here's how we get you kind of to this level. And this is what, you know, we've identified and what we feel is important. And we did kind of focus groups with them to get their input. And once we kind of got consensus with that, we went even to the, you know, all the staff and did again, focus groups. And we kind of pulled people from each area and each department and said, you know, this is what, what we feel is important as a company and what we believe. And we got their input and it was, it was amazing just even the kind of articulation of the specific words. And so, you know, they said just the, you know, that word carries a little bit of a negative connotation or this word sounds a little bit better or that sounds a little bit aggressive or, you know, different perspectives on it. So we, we did that to that level. And then from there, we kind of, uh, we rolled it into kind of a one page document. And, and now we have, um, all of our development plans with employees. Everything is kind of based around, these, these core values initially. And we even, we even changed the words like a positive attitude is one of the top ones, but we've changed the wording even with our uh, kind of employee management and having it where everything is a, you know, a coaching opportunity versus, you know, traditional, I guess, business management was right up. You have to manage this person and it's kind of the three strikes you're out type thing. And we kind of look at it the completely opposite aspect. We, we want to coach people and help develop people. Um, I honestly believe people want to do good. You know, the majority of people want to, want to do their job. They want to come to work and they want to do good. We just have to be able to help give them the tools and help develop them down that path. So the, that's kind of the uh, how it started, yeah. So we kind of started at the top and then we started working with feedback from kind of the mid-level managers and leaders and then right down to the, uh, you know, the shop floor level working with all of them on it too. And then now we get yeah, on a monthly basis and actually in the daily huddles that they do, they'll... Bring in either value from kind of the continuous improvement, lean stuff, or they'll bring in you know a core value and actually communicate that on a daily basis down at the um, shop floor level as well. So it's kind of all the way through the organization now is how we've communicated it. And I think the challenging part with it is the sustainability. You, know, you got to be very careful that it's it has to be your DNA, and you have to be able to action upon that you can't just you know not truly believe it and you can't have it as the flavor of the month it has to be what you you know deep down in your gut believe is the best way to move forward and what is your true beliefs as a company and when you i think that kind of helps spread through the organization as well because people see hey you know what this is why we do business and this is what we believe and that helps communicate it because if we don't want to have it's easy to have it as a flavor of a month where you don't sustain it, but if it's truly within your DNA and what you truly believe, it's it's a lot easier to um, to sustain. I would say so Hopefully that answers the question.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I have a couple follow-up questions. Um, one, mm. when you uh, identify these core values and he, so you you led saying this is this is who we are and this is who we want to be, and you. Mm. You cascaded that through the organization, getting input and feedback. How much did that alter uh, your thinking when you received feedback from the, the entire organization? Quite a
1: bit, I think. Just it made me really understand the importance of, you know, just the the littlest detail, and really, you know, people look look to the management team to, you know, lead by example. And I, I just I was surprised by the. The detail of you know one word and they'd say well this really comes across kind of aggressively or that you know kind of dismissive um was a couple words that we had in there so just yeah it really made me kind of understand the importance of that and making sure that you know what we do is very well thought out and not just kind of a I done on a whim because it can have you know a rippling effect to the organization so um yeah it was it was Pretty interesting to get the feedback from from everybody on the shop floor, and, and all different areas of the company, just so that we really understood. Because I never would have thought about that initially when we kind of first started trying to to formulate them and kind of craft them. I never would have thought that you know specific words would would have that much impact, but but they did. So it was it was really cool. It changed yeah, my perspective quite a bit with that.
0: Did you have to define? Uh, you, you said you get people to provide stories to say what it is and what it is not. Did you find that mm-hmm. uh, defining uh, what the values are? Because when you look at, some people say our number one value is customer responsibility and I, I spelled mm-hmm. that because that's Flamman Group of Companies. And and we mm-hmm. have further defined what customer responsibility means because we feel it could mean a different thing to everyone. So you have to go through mm-hmm. and clearly define what it means. Was was that uh, part of a uh, like a big labor to, to do, uh, to define these values clearly to everyone?
1: We we have, um, we did discuss that because, I mean, you're right, every value could have, you know, a full page behind it on exactly what this value means. But we kind of wanted to leave it a little bit open-ended in, in that regard, and we may still drill into it further. Um, but, like, hard work, for example, we didn't need to put you Know a full page draft to say what is hard work. Um, it can mean different things to different people, so we didn't want to kind of try to shoehorn it into this as only our definition of what hard work is. Um, so that we did kind of leave it a little bit open ended for that reason so that people can try to relate to it more and, and tie their stories and examples to it. So we did discuss it. It was definitely, I mean, you could arguably for each one of our six core values, you could have a full page sitting there, but we. we kind of consciously decided to not do that so that uh, hopefully people can identify it with it a little bit more. We wanted to have it very visual and easy for them to say, yeah, you know, positive attitude or hard work. Oh, I know what that is. And here's an example versus we didn't want to scare them off with um, a whole bunch of basically words on paper. We just wanted a couple point form things so they could identify. Yeah, that that's me. I can resonate with that.
0: Well, it sounds like the the wording that you've used are universally understood or universal truths like hard hard work mm-hmm. is pretty easy to understand and you know honesty yeah. is pretty easy to understand uh, stuff like that. My mm-hmm. my second question, do you feel that this culture change that's been occurring and is still I would assume uh, constantly occurring at uh, Southland mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. the most important thing that you've done. Um you know, since you've been part of the organization as, as general manager uh
1: 2009? Yeah, it, it. I mean, obviously, organizations run off of people. And if you can't, if you don't have your people engaged, and I mean, I'm not saying that our people are 100% engaged. We still have a lot of work to do, and we'll always will have to work at that. Um, but I believe that, you know, you can... You can have fun at work, and I think you can find fulfillment in work, and I think you can be happy when you go to work because you have an opportunity to to improve. Um, so the the culture is is more critical than any tool or any, I guess, um, what would it be? Any any set of uh, any set of tools or grouping of tools that you'll ever have, you know. So like if you look at the lean metrics, it's just a whole bunch of tools there and when i went to when i toured in japan they that's what they said in north america missed that part you know they tried to just say here's these tools you know make make sure these tools apply to all these people versus really understanding the culture and getting the people engaged and then teaching them how to use the tools and and getting them to understand the importance of that stuff and really finding that that fulfillment in it so the yeah the culture is it's huge it's um uh, well, I, I think, honestly, that a lot of people had missed that from the, some of the conferences that I've seen and the power of the people or the businesses that understand that and really find, you know, get the, truly get the people engaged with it. You know, you have lifetime employees, extremely low turnover, job fulfillment, and uh, the tools is just kind of a subset. So, yeah, the, the culture is, in my opinion, the most, hands down, the most critical thing because... You can force tools to it. I mean, we just can take it, you know, so far by just saying this is what we're doing and that's how it's going to work. But as, as soon as they step back, the sustainability isn't there versus if you develop that culture. That's a long time. I mean, it's 10, 20, 30 years to really, truly ingrain that. So by the time hopefully that I'm done or, you know, moving out of the business, it's that culture is well in place and it'll just kind of continue on. So, yeah, definitely the, the culture is the most important part in my opinion.
0: Yeah, the culture is the why you do things, which uh, engages people's uh, hearts and minds, and the tools that you've been referencing are how you do things, and you can, mm-hmm. you know, substitute better tools and uh, get better at how you do things uh, as part of a, a culture of innovation, and uh, mm-hmm. that that leads me to another question: uh, Do you feel like you're driving innovation in your industry uh, through your culture?
1: I I would. I mean, some of the stuff is definitely kind of closed doors behind the scenes so there is for sure, it, I would say it's reflected in our product, there is almost every product that we, we build in a kind of a conscious effort is going to be a little bit different than anything that's offered and we try to consciously differentiate that and a lot of those ideas come from, that innovation comes from our culture and you know employee engagement and kind of everybody being involved um, the other part of the innovation though I think would be behind the scenes, the innovation that we're working on and, and trying to, I guess, just move towards, you know, perfection with what we do behind closed doors. So the end result obviously is a, you know, a trailer delivered on time with the, the price that the customer wants and meeting the customer spec. But behind the scenes is, you know, how do we make sure all that happens the most efficiently as possible. So a lot of, we're doing a ton on innovation in that regard that, um, I don't know if it would directly reflect in the product itself, the physical aspects of it, but it would, should reflect in doing business with us for sure. It should become easier and easier to do business with us as we get better at what we do internally. So, so there's kind of two prongs to innovation, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're, you're talking about innovation, about how you produce the product as one prong and how you interact with the marketplace as another prong, is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the physical aspects of the product and how you use it and what it looks like and when you're operating the product, etc. That would be the one. And yeah, the other stuff would be how we deliver the product and kind of the, the upfront stuff. Sure. Um, so yeah.
0: So what drove you down this path, uh, other than it's it's part of your culture? But was it was it market demand, market opportunity, market pressures?
1: I think um, it's kind of a little bit of everything initially, and then when we really sat down and kind of asked the, uh, you know, why are we here? Why are we in business? We, we kind of just all came back to because there's, you know, we believe that we can do it better than somebody else can. And and that's not a statement out of uh, uh, arrogance at all. It's a statement saying that, you know, we believe that there's a better way. There's always a better way to do things. So, and it, it could mean anything. Like you hear, you know, certain big businesses have, uh, medical staff on site and they will have dentists on site because it, it makes more sense So them. Obviously they can do it better than sending their employees away to another dentist office. You know, that's kind of a small example of how you can do it better. So we can, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what's driving us right now is we believe that there, there is a better way to do things. And so when we look at anything that we do, we say, you know, is there a better way to do it? And is there, you know, an opportunity to improve in this area? And if there is that, it's kind of—I don't know if it's competitiveness or or what it is—but um, yeah, it's amazing when you really dissect the problem how how much improvement opportunities are within it, and uh, yeah, we kind of just look at that and, and develop it from there.
0: Well, from what I know of you and talking with you, it it sounds like you have this uh, relentless drive uh, of excellence, and so I, I think that mm-hmm. would be probably a, a key thing for this uh, path of innovation. Now you mentioned something yep. earlier, um, you know twenty years down the road, you might be you know looking at getting out of the business or something like that, and twenty years down the road, you'd basically be around my age, uh, old and gray uh, you're <laughs> you're twenty nine and mm-hmm. uh, does do you think that helps you right now or hinders you in the business environment?
1: Probably both I think uh, sometimes you can use it as a bit of an advantage because people will I guess, underestimate what we can do. they just think, oh, you know, younger kids don't have some of the experience, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, then when we actually show, I think people are quite often surprised when they tour the, the facility and just see what actually goes on behind the scenes and all the stuff that, you know, we're working on and doing, I think then it kind of helps give us a little bit of credibility being as young as we are. And, you know, Scott's 26, I'm 29 and Jason's 31. And that we have a young management team for the most part too. Um, so, at some points, we can kind of use it as you y- gain. I guess you can kind of catch people off guard a little bit too. Um, but it, it also can be a hindrance because you get, yeah, you do get people where they, you know, they really won't listen to you or kind of, uh, they just think, oh, what does this guy you know? And it's you kind of have to prove that, hey, I know what we're doing. I know that we can, you know, either deliver the product or, how to handle the situation, et etc. et cetera. So you kind of have to, with, with new, new customers or bringing on new products and stuff, you kind of have to almost prove or earn your credibility with them, um, versus somebody that, you know, maybe a little bit more seasoned would, I think people just, I don't know, I don't know, maybe they just relate to them a little bit quicker, um, but you have to kind of establish that credibility initially, which, um, takes time. So that, that's kind of, can be a little bit of a hindrance and you can get people that kind of will, um, initially kind of, they can, I've had situations where people will talk down or kind of even demean you, kind of condescending. And then once you understand, or once they understand and kind of see what we do and where we come from, then sudden they feel like they'll portray that equal respect, which is, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'm conscious of that as well. I don't think that's correct. Um, but, you know, they will kind of judge a book by a cover initially. So you have to work through that i guess and then uh, and then from there it it's, doesn't become an issue at all
0: yeah and i say that with a little bit of personal experience uh back uh, in my early 20s um me and a few friends were dot-com kids and uh, we weren't taken seriously in the late 90s so we hired a, a gray hair sales manager and it was uh, mm-hmm. interesting when we would talk to uh, established uh Brands, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't look at us uh, in our 20s. They would look at the uh, the individuals uh, in the in their late 40s, early 50s, uh, the gray hair, because mm-hmm. they must know mm-hmm. what's going on, and they, they felt more comfortable with that individual. And we just we just took that tactic on because we weren't we weren't making headway, uh, we weren't being taken seriously. Um, mm-hmm. But it it appears that you're mitigating that uh, quite well, from what I what I know of you.
1: I want yeah, to... I guess we're. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say. I mean, it it doesn't. uh, I don't want people to confuse that with that. You know, we know I'm 29 and know everything because I absolutely do not. And uh, you know, so I'm constantly learning from everybody else. Um, But it's just establishing that credibility initially is what takes time. And then, yeah, I got to learn from learn from those people and everything like that too. But, anyways, yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Focusing on you, do you have any daily rituals that help keep you focused and make you effective?
1: I, we have a thing that we call just standard work, and no different than for employees on the floor with the standard work that they have. We have standard work exactly like that. So there's kind of uh, uh, literally items that I need that I'm required to work through, and the operations manager has the same, and uh, the the head coaches out there have the same stuff so that it helps kind of keep us all um, standardized, I guess, a little bit because it is easy to gravitate towards things that you, you know, are more enjoyable or are the kind of the easier tasks uh, within your business and kind of let the other stuff slide a little bit. So on the sustainability of implementing anything, um, that stuff can kind of be pushed to the back burner. So, yeah, we do have – almost all employees have – uh, standard work that they work through, including me. So I do have, you know, certain items that you know every day. It's not long, but yep, gotta check this, gotta check this, gotta check this, and go from there. So yeah, there is kind of a daily routine, so to speak. That's that's a documented procedure that uh, uh, we work through.
0: So each each person in the organization, you call it standard work, but it's like a a, a set of standard operating procedures, a, a checklist that they have to do every single day. Is that is that accurate? Yep. Yeah, it's
1: just like a tiered tiered audit system, so I just, I'll go meet the operations manager and we'll go out and meet with one of the the coaches of the departments, and, you know, we kind of walk through this stuff and just check off these lists and it's just kind of like a a bit of a a leadership walk and we kind of check the area and engage with them and engage with employees and work through certain questions, et cetera, and and then we're done. And then there's usually some some good follow-up and feedback from that stuff and then, and the next day we'll do a different department. And so, yeah, it's the tiered accountability so that it helps. I kind of check to make sure the operations manager is doing that, and he checks to make sure that coaches are doing that and working with the uh, employees and, and all the way through. So, yeah, everybody has uh, standard work within it.
0: That sounds very powerful. Now, now to be honest, do, do you do it every single day? Is there days that you miss, or, or is this something yeah. that... No, I,
1: I miss stuff. Um, it's more... It's just a visual thing that, that's on my desk. It's a card that I have that I can just fit in my pocket. But um, I do miss some days for sure with it. And it's again, it's kind of a sustainability thing. So if, it, if three days go by and you get pulled into, you know, whatever kind of you coming up, uh, this this just helps you. This just kind of helps you pull back to say, oh, yeah, I haven't done this for three days. Damn, yeah, I got to get back to this. So it's just a visual, a visual cue for us too. So
0: yeah, yeah. fair enough. I was uh, struggling to uh, to hold back a cough. I have a bit of a cold. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Grab some water.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so last, I've two actually two more questions. Um, you know, what uh, what keeps you up at night? Is there a, a, a books that you constantly go back to that you read? Um, you know, what's what uh, what uh, sort of keeps yeah. your mind busy?
1: There isn't. Uh, I used to have that problem more of you know being kept up at night and then a couple things that I, I thought is, um, and number one, if there is something that I just think, Oh shoot, I got to remember to do that. I just, I'll email it to myself or I just put a reminder to my phone really quick. So it kind of helps clear my mind, which I think is just a standard, a standard tool that anybody, any book would teach you to do. So I, I do that kind of consciously. So if there's something to say, Oh, I got to make sure I do that tomorrow it just helps clear my brain. So I don't, uh, it can rest. And, uh, the other thing, that, you know, keeps me up at night with with worry, and I used to kind of uh, worry a lot more than I do now. And I watched this 60 Minutes, and what was it? It was on Apple, anyways, and it was the head designer. I can't remember his name. And they asked him the same question, and he said, "Oh, I, you know, I worry that I'll wake up one morning and Samsung will have something. I think it was Samsung would have something, you know, that they'll launch that we didn't think of, or they'll think of something that we didn't think of." And then it kind of, you know, that really resonated with me because they're one of the largest companies in the world and one of the most profitable companies in the world. And, you know, he's thinking about kind of the same issues. So it it doesn't really matter at what stage you are in your career, if you're just starting out or small business, medium-sized business, whatever it is, that's, you know, it kind of just popped in my head and I thought, you know what, that's the game, that's the fun of it. So you can sit and worry and stress about all that stuff if you want to, but you control your outcome in most situations. I mean, I oversee the business and the people that I work with, we control what we do here. So if there's something that's worrying us, then let's discuss it and change it. We're, everybody's master of their own destiny. And that's where I think people, they'll get caught up in the negativity of it and uh, caught up in the worry of it. And that, to me, that's because I was the same way. I would worry about, you know, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Well, you know, you and the only person that influences it is you. So change it, control it and do what you want to help, Influence the uh, the outcome of it, and when you're doing it, make sure you're having fun with it, because otherwise, what are you doing it for? When twenty years go by, and then you think now it's time that you can live your life, and now it's time that you can enjoy yourself. So it kind of that kind of popped into my head, and I thought, you know, let's have fun. Let's let's not worry about that stuff. If there is things that we think, hey, this could be a concern, well, let's figure out how we make it it's no longer a concern, and how we. And on the flip side, we've even taken things too and say this could be a concern. Let's say, let's figure out how we maximize an opportunity here. So it's, it's fun. It's a different kind of way of thinking that it's, it came from a book, a few books, but the one book that I read was called The Happiness Advantage. And, uh, it really, yeah, there's a lot, a ton of stuff within that that really kind of changed my entire perspective of, uh, how I view things and how I look at things and, and stuff. So, yeah. Well, but I sleep pretty well
0: now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you.
1: Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> excellent uh, insights and uh, and wisdom. I I have enjoyed this conversation uh, about culture, uh, you know, rituals, uh, standard work processes that you do, uh, you know, why you don't worry at night anymore and focusing on being happy. At 29, mm-hmm. uh, you are wise beyond your years, and I, I suppose it might go back to the fact that you really started uh, getting uh, taught how to run a business when you were 14. So. Uh, you could argue that you have uh, what is that, 16 years experience almost, or 15 years experience. Yeah. And my math's yeah. not that good. There you go. Uh, so last question is, uh, how do people find out about uh, your organization, Southland Trailer Corp?
1: Uh, SouthlandTrailers.com would be probably the easiest uh, the website there, and there's a kind of an about us link that has the the story and the history behind it, and uh, yeah, the core values and everything that I discussed, and that's probably the easiest way. Yeah, so. Check out the website, and you can contact us for more information, too.
0: Perfect. Thanks for your time. Okay, thank you.